Uh, welcome to the latest episode of the Love Sport Podcast. Paul, John and Pete giving out their dulcet tones and ill-informed uh, views on the world of sport. We'll be talking about AFL, EPL, NRL, whatever you want to talk about. It's sport, it's us. This is the Love Sport Podcast. Guys, welcome to another Love Sport Podcast. We, they said we'd never make it and we haven't yet. Thanks, Pete and John, my co-hosts, for being on here tonight. Oh, mate, it's awesome. I, I don't know. Have we not made it? I think we are on definitely on the journey, and we're definitely getting somewhere special. I don't know where that special is, but it's uh, one of the highlights of my week uh, speaking to you guys. So, look, I'm going to start out with a uh, keep, kick, or cuddle for you both. I'll start with one with you, Pete. Mustache, mullet, sideburns. Uh, well, I'll, I'll keep the sideburns because, you know, they don't look horrific. Um, I will give a bit of a cuddle to a moustache because they can do all right and definitely getting rid of the mullet. I am not <laughs> a fan of the mullet by any means, shape or form. It's, uh, it's, 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 a, I think you did really well. That was really quick. Over to you, John. This is soccer balls, okay? Nike okay. Adidas Umbro. Nike That's Adidas Umbro. Um, uh, keep. Umbro Cuddle. Yep. Uh, Nike, whatever you want to do with their brand of anything, they can go. Oh, beautiful. Well, I've got a couple more for you a little bit later on. Not very exciting, but uh, great start to the show, boys. So, look, AFL finals, get it out of the way because John had a uh, – and, and, and obviously friend of the pod, Sean, did not have a great uh, last weekend in terms of the Lions, who – Quickly say, many people think we're destroyed by the umpires. I'll have probably a little bit of a different take, but uh, straight sets again, mate. Yeah, well, I'm not one for clinging to blaming the umpires for stuff. Obviously, they had um, they had their say on the game. I said to you during the week, I thought the Lions had their chances to to get away with that game. And let's not forget that two thirds of their forward line setup had was missing. I think that made a big difference because it kind of made Joe have to be a bit of a lone ranger and Joe Danner is not really his thing. I thought all up, the team held up pretty well. Let's And the other thing is, correct me if I'm wrong, but the Bulldogs were in top two for nearly the whole year, right? 18 out of the 22 weeks or 23 yeah. weeks. Yeah. So they're, not, they're, not, they're no scrubs. They really came to play. Um, they had an incredible midfield performance. I thought the Lions went with them pretty good. The defense held up good. I felt my issue with the umpiring was that at one stage, and I was watching it at home, commentator made the point in the in the final quarter that, oh, they put the whistles away. Now, that might have been true to an extent, but the only problem was they only got them out for massive swings of momentum. Mm-hmm. And my, all those swings of momentum seemed to be going one way. And I, and I did note that, you know, with some, you know, jocularity, of course, that the um you know that the the bulldogs had issues with a with an, a goal umpiring decision and whatnot. I I get it happens and you know I'm not I'm not blaming the umpires. That the Lions still could and should have maybe closed the game out. They had at least two opportunities. I thought at the, at the back end to even get points and they kicked them out of bounds in a full. And you know what? It was a great game. Um, and I think the Lions are well and truly still on the right path. It does take a while sometimes to season up a, a really 
great team and to harden them up. I don't believe we've been the hardest team for the last few years, but I think mm. a bit of times iron sharpens iron and providing, you know, the, the nucleus of the team stays together and the, and the, um, and the coaching and everyone seems to be headed in a really good direction. I remain pretty positive about it. it wouldn't surprise me if the Bulldogs go on and win the comp because their midfield mate, is outrageous. It was one of the, uh, Pete, I was at the game, mate, and um, I was sitting up behind the goals a couple of levels up and I had a brilliant view of the game and, be, and was able to tell my, uh, one of my daughters just a few tactical things that I was noticing. And the, the work rate of both teams to close down gaps, and you would have really liked it, Pete, from a, a footballing perspective, the way both teams coached was outstanding. And I think in the end, you can't say one team outcoached the other or anything because it was a one-point game. Um, umpires were horrific. Their decisions were terrible. But the Lions, halfway, maybe halfway or a bit more through the third quarter, could have been four or five goals up. And they just didn't take a couple opportunities. And that is finals football. Um, I've been to many, many finals games where I was a neutral because Richmond never played. That's the best I've ever been to. That was just absolutely outstanding football. And it's a real shame that, that for 24 hours, all anyone could speak about quite rightly was the umpiring. Um, the other game was a bit of a bit of a fizzle, really, with the, uh, the Cats and, and, and obviously GWS and didn't really take too much out of that game. And yeah, obviously, Ge- Geelong obviously getting away with everything and uh, quite dominant in every sense of the word. Now, the interesting thing you, with both games here is um, the mentality of focus on what you can control and not on what you can't control. Mm. Mm. Mentality of Geelong and Bulldogs both saying, you know what, we're damn good at what we do. Focus on what we do, which is, you know, winning scrappy battles in the middle of the park, being able to, you know, build up in a really good and aggressive manner. They, that's what they are. That's how you characterise their style of play for both teams. So, you know, across both semifinals, it, it was really a game of, you know, if there's a nice little dial between, you know, control and chaos, yep. both teams had full control at times. Like, they just focused on what they did and they didn't really focus at all on the real scrappy bits. They just did what they had to do and did it well and consistent at that. So, you know, in this game against the Giants, Geelong, for me, the Giants put up a good effort, but nowhere near as deadly in front of goal as what Geelong were. They were just relentless at times. That's going to be the key to Geelong versus Melbourne. Can Geelong actually get enough of the ball down to their forward line uh, Hawkins hitting form at the right time. Obviously, you've got Cameron, the left footer there. Um, it, they've got a really good forward line. I just don't think their midfield is that great. And that's where I think Melbourne could take Geelong apart uh, at Optus Stadium uh, this weekend. I'm not sure what you guys think there. But I think if Melbourne's midfield, um, even break even, which I think they'll do more than, I think they, they'll beat Geelong pretty comfortably. Your thoughts, boys? Well, I'm pretty hopeful that they do just that, that Melbourne do take apart Geelong. I really don't want to watch Geelong in the grand final again. Um, so I, I think the Melbourne is the, is the fairy tale everyone wants to see. And if it's yep. up against the Bulldogs, well, that's going to be awesome. I do think conversely on the, on the next game, I think it's going to see how Bonson Pelly comes up. Obviously, Waitman, 
Um, both the Dogs and Lions lost players early last week um, to head injuries. No, pretty tough hits to the head. Um, will the two weeks off be too much for Melbourne and Port? I actually think they go in with a lot of run in their legs. Um, Port and Dogs, that could be a really close game. That's the one I think the upset could come from. Yeah, it could be the upset type of a game, but I guess from the outside looking in, for me, this could be the the game that the dogs end up kind of getting away with it. That Port uh, are strong, they're aggressive. We we kind of know, you know, how consistent they've been so far this season. But the, the dogs, they kind of just have that slight edge. That, that there's a, a different shine about them. Um, there's a different, you know, aura when they walk in the paddock, it feels like. It, it, there's there's something special about this team. So they, they could be the surprise package. And, and the thing is, John alluded to it before, not alluded, John said it before, they're on top for, you know, with Melbourne, 18 of the 22 or 23 weeks. Um, but Port will have fresh legs. Port's got a very stable um, back line. I think Alir Alir's been absolutely outstanding. I think if, if, if they they almost have to maybe use a decoy and take a Leo away from the play, because if they let him roam free, he's been sensational the second half of the year. Um, but I think Port's weakness is their forward line. And I have, I've said that all along, and I was wrong. I said they'd finish fifth or out of the top four. Uh, but I still think that forward line is going to really struggle to kick a big score. Mm. Yeah, it's going to be really so, interesting to see how it goes. I think you're right. I think it's going to be... Um, uh, look, it's going to be. I'm really looking forward to the weekend of um, AFL um, preliminary finals. The matchups are good. Normally, when my team gets bumped out, you sort of I spend the next weekend doing anything but watching what happens. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't. I still feel reasonably okay about where the lines are heading, and I that game could have gone either way. I, I don't want to. I'm not going to cut my throat, and that's why I'm not letting the umpiring thing get to me. I, I sometimes think you just lose close games. You want to try and break even. The problem for the Lions is in big games right now in semifinals, they're not breaking even. They're not getting a result here and scratching one out. They tend to lose them. And I think what I read a stat that said in six final that they've only, they've only lost like four, six games at the Gabba in three years and four have been finals. Now that is a really interesting start. It's not good, is it? Uh, look, it's really no. interesting. There were, with about 10 minutes to go, um, Ariel and I were looking at the crowd going, wow, this is meant to be a final. Um, and it was really weird because I think about ten or 15,000 people rocked up with a few minutes to go and it ended up being 36,000. And I want to give credit to the line supporters we sat with or stood with. Um, we just had an outstanding night, a lot of fun, a lot of banter. And even when they lost, um, I haven't been the biggest fan of Brisbane line supporters, but I want to say on Saturday night, they lost, and to me, they were fantastic supporters. So, shout out there. Really good news for the Lions. Cam Rayner, uh, rumours going around that he was going to leave. If anyone saw him consoling his teammates on the weekend, um, you knew that wasn't going to be the case. And it looks like Lockie Neal's probably going to stay as well. So, some good, really good news for the Lions in the last couple of days, the last 24 hours. So, yeah, we look forward to the finals, guys. Put it up on the Love Sport podcast on the Facebook and Twitter accounts. Also, if you're in the uh, group as well. Um, chuck up your predictions for the weekend. NRL finals, guys. Before we touch on these, and I, I never get too excited about the first week of finals, um, but before we do that, 
Pete, Moderna, Pfizer, AstraZeneca, keep kick or cuddle. Well, the fact that there is a limited supply of all three of them here in uh, the, the South Coast, I will happily keep all of them. Um, yeah, look, I'll keep all of them because... We need them. <laughs> okay, we need you them. know what? I'm going to let you off there. Uh, I can think that's a great answer. Uh, John, Paris, Rome, London. Oh, wow! Now that's a tough. That is a tough question. Um, <laughs> it, right. Um, this is a really difficult one. What I'm going to do is I'm going to keep the Eternal City, Rome, mm-hmm. Roma. Uh, it's Amongst other things, it's uh, where the Vatican is, so I have to keep favour with that. Uh, but it's also it's just an amazing place historically, so much history there, uh, as all three cities are. I'm going to give it to London based on the fact that um, I believe it's a slightly older Roman settlement mm. um, and has always been a little bit bigger than Paris um, historically. And the other thing about London is it's got like a good range of English people in it, whereas Paris is full of French people. So, um, <laughs> no, and I don't mean that, obviously. I, 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 I will say this about Paris is that I do love the fact that, you know, if you really want to, they're going to come back with a vengeance because I feel they sort of got bumped off the top of the let's have a riot at the drop of a hat um, league ladder. Um by the by, the Americans in the last couple of years, and I think that the Parisians are going to come back because no one organises a street riot like they do. Uh, you and know, they, they get the bins well. out and they start throwing stuff and cocktails and and all the rest of it. Run around like you know, lose the next day, come out, get a coffee and a croissant. You know, we're all good. They just get out I of their system it. and move on. So, look, I love all three of those places. They're same, um, yeah. yep. and there's no real, real reason why I would um, remove any of them because. Whenever I do go to Europe, I try to go to all three because they're amazing. That's why I threw it in there, buddy. So right. NRL, I'm, I'm, oh, can sorry. I throw in before you go? Oh yeah, the yeah. first time ever. I think I'm actually going to launch one at you, Paulie. Ah, oh, damn it! Yep, go for it. <laughs> okay, cool runnings, yep. chariots of fire, yep. Eddie the Eagle. Okay, chariots of fire. Um, keeping with all my heart. One of the first sporting movies I saw as a kid. My granny and granddad took me. And one of the reasons, not only did I love the movie and the music, but they bought me those little Chicos. Um, they are ch- you probably can't even call them those now. No, they're you can't. Ch- be, they have been cancelled. Oh, my God. What are they called now? Or are they gone? No, they've come out with a new... I'll, I'll find that out. Uh, okay, apologies, guys. Uh, whatever they were, whatever they are, they still tasted the same. I absolutely loved them. So Chariots of Fire, I'm going to keep. Um, I'm going to kick Eddie the Eagle. Can I, my rationale for that is I haven't seen it. And what was the other one? Cool Runnings. Yeah, Cool Runnings is always one. I mean, anything with John Candy in there, um, I'm going to cuddle it because it, Uncle Buck's one of my favourite comedies of all time because I can watch it with any of my kids and probably going to watch it with my grandkids. There we go. All right. So I've got the name of those lollies. Um, yep. Uh, Chico's are now called Cheekies. Okay. And, and Redskins, which were my official favourite lolly growing up and by – Quite some distance. The only one that was actually probably going to match them was um, Cobbers or um, Columbines. Ooh, yeah. I like Chewy Lollies. Oh, mate, um, same here. Redskins are now called Red Rippers, which I believe may well be the end of them. 
So there you go. Anyway, that that's a good one, Pete. Thanks for mate. Um, look, NRL finals. Um, Storms taking on Manly, Roosters on taking on Titans, Penrith South, Eels and Knights. Uh, two of those games really, really cool to me. There, obviously, Storm versus Manly is a heated rivalry. And if Souths are going to do anything in this finals campaign, they need to put up a really solid performance against Penrith. I don't care about Eels versus Knights, and if you guys do, I'm happy for you to step in there. <laughs> and uh, Titans, Roosters, I would really love to see the Titans at least give it a crack. Guys, I'm going to leave this uh, a little bit to you. Yeah, yeah I had... Yeah. Oh, sorry, you go, go Pete. Sorry, mate. I was just basically going to say the... Roosters and Titans game is shaping up to actually be remotely interesting to at least follow the updates. I wouldn't say I'd actually go watch it, but follow the updates potentially um, for the sole reason that both teams had clocked up 40 or more points um, in their last games. Um, And then that's about it in terms of, you know, interest levels. Um, Storm and Seagulls, yeah, like I guess I'll get the occasional Twitter update for that one, but <laughs> that's about it. To be blunt, um, it's not really shaping up to be edge of your seat, actually got to watch it type of situation for me. I think the Knights could potentially cause an upset to the Eels. I think the Eels have just flattered to deceive for most of the season. Um, Titans are close with the Roosters because of the incredible amount of injuries. I don't know if any team in any code this year, and I know AFL teams have had a lot of injuries, I don't know if any team has had as many injuries to top flight players as the Roosters this year. So that brings it pretty close. Um, and I'm actually almost bored of Storm playing Manly. Mm, there we go. Well, you should be too, because um, if it wasn't for... The, we've been bumped from, because of the rescheduling of the NRL semifinals into regional Queensland... Uh, we've got a rugby tournament tomorrow that's being played at um, Kiwana, and we we're going to be playing a bunch of games on that main field. Yeah, but yeah. they rescheduled it, and we've been bumped because uh, they're playing the next day. The storm. Oh, that. Mm. So you could have been seeing me and my team, but instead you're seeing the storm. Somehow the storm got precedence over the junior yeah. girls rugby sevens. I'm a bit disappointed with that, especially with the way Rugby yeah. League has embraced the, the female uh, players in their ranks. So, look, guys, if you are a massive NRL fan, you know, please put your tips up there. Um, I just think it's the first week of finals. And as we get into the finals, the excitement will build. Um, we're not hating on. We're just saying, eh, at the moment. Uh, it just feels like a bit of same old, same old in there. And that's why I'm hoping the Titans do pretty well. Guys, any any more thoughts on the rugby league at the moment? And if any, if we lose any listeners over it, we apologise. We're just, you know, with any sports, the same as AFL first round. There wasn't a, hunt, a heap of excitement from us. So, uh, <laughs> just the energy levels are just awful in terms of the NRL competition, mainly. And I'm going to throw this out: that the fact that uh, the NRL never formally inquired about having an NRLW bubble and basically just wrote off the competition before even considering it um, from all reports. So, you know, to be blunt, I don't care about NRL because they don't care about all facets of the game. Well, I suppose uh, our Olympic state has the grand final. Um, so, you know, that that's an exciting thing from uh, a Queenslander's perspective. And for those listeners who don't know, Pete is a New South Welshman. Um 
But yeah, look, we had uh, we'll just take a bit of a pause here for a moment. And just get our energy levels up, boys. It is Are You Okay Day. You're both okay? So far, so good. <laughs> Man, I love the NRL, but like I'm with you, I'm happy to wait and get through the, you know, the, the, the week of semi finals, the eight. Yeah. It's, uh, it'll start next week for sure. And, um, oh, what, you know, I'll keep a keen on it, but. Yeah, I'm not sure. going to roll around on the floor going, oh, my God, you know, I can't move until they start. I've been a Storm member for many, many years. And um, for me not to be excited, I think says a little bit. Maybe I've got winning fatigue. God, I sound like a loser there. Um, oh, God. Hey, we had World Cup qualifiers all this week, really. It felt like every day I was waking up to or, or watching different results. And I just want to touch on – you guys can touch on anything. And, Pete, you're the absolute expert in this field. I was really happy to see Greece – the Faroe Islands and Scotland win. Um, and then there was the England-Poland draw. Uh, Socceroos also went two from two uh, now in their qualifiers. So a bit of thoughts on the World Cup qualifiers so far. Yeah, look, huge positives in terms of the Socceroos' performances. Uh, the, the win in Doha was uh, was key and a, a good performance for uh, the Socceroos' squad. And then to follow it up against Vietnam, obviously it wasn't the most aesthetically pleasing game, but, you know, it has to deal with the conditions, the weather, so many, you know, issues going on there. But, you know, it, it still proves a positive side is a team who can uh, win a game even when things aren't going there well. Uh, we obviously had across Europe plenty of uh, qualifiers. Obviously, that one-all draw between England and Poland, huge positive um, from my own perspective because obviously Poland being able to score uh, in the 92nd minute was sensational viewing and uh, a new player as well, Damian uh, Simonewski, scoring that uh, that goal, he, his first goal in a Poland shirt as well and in front of a, a new full stadium as well, which was yeah. fantastic. But most of the attention this week in terms of World Cup qualifiers was actually on South America between Brazil mm. and Argentina. Yep. Tell us all about the fiasco that that was. Uh, well, the seven minutes of heaven uh, that was a game of football between Brazil and Argentina quickly stopped as uh, Brazilian health officials came onto the pitch to confront three Argentine players who they felt had didn't have the right to be playing and because they <laughs> hadn't actually revealed that they had been in England. Um, Argentina responded by walking off the pitch and uh, it was basically just told the match was suspended and it was later confirmed by FIFA that the game was not going ahead. Um, so, yeah, Brazil's health agency, they basically just said that four players, three who were on the field and one who was in the grandstand for Argentina, hadn't declared that they had been in the UK in the last 14 days. Um, it, it's, it's weird kind of that ironic. Brazil's fa- finally Brazil's taken on board, you know, some type yeah. of health awareness <laughs> after from the worst man yeah. the worst man's kind of response on the planet. Exactly. So disaster for their own country. And, you know, as an Argentinian person, I probably would have, you know, taken a great offence at that as a person really you know, with ties in England, I take great offence at that. And I'll tell you what I'm getting really over with. I'm getting over with games not getting finished. Yeah. You know, it's becoming a real trend. Um, well, we because we talked about one last week, Pete, when – I can't remember whether you were with us or not, but, yeah, you were. It was the one – the game in Nice. And, you know, just for whatever reason, it seems okay to just, well, let's wrap up and leave. 
Yeah. Now, they've got fans back in the stand. They say these things, on, you know, we need you, the fans, please. We're all in this one. They're going to start tearing some stadiums apart. Seriously, if, if, if they keep cancelling games when games are happening. And everyone yeah. wanted to stop the Christian Eriksen game as well and say, well, that should have stopped. You know, what injury is deemed an injury that we need to stop for? You know, I'd, it's there's a lot of talk about stopping games. I wonder who's writing these stories. I just, yeah, madness. Well, the, uh, the table's looking pretty good as well for a lot of the teams. Um, the groups overall are extremely strong, but you've got Germany on top of their group, England on top of theirs, Croatia on top of theirs with Russia, which is a really interesting group there. Uh, Croatia, Russia, Slovakia, Slovenia. The four top teams in that are all red, white and blue with all their flags and stuff. I thought that was interesting. I'm really, really boring man. Uh, Holland and Norway on top of theirs. Turkey just behind them. Uh, Denmark well ahead of Scotland uh, Belgium well well ahead of Czech Republic so the groups are pretty much shaping up the way you'd expect I want to, can I uh, a couple of things I want to reflect on take my hat off to Harry Kane whose scoring record for England is becoming outrageous here here um, and he scored again and um, and it was a you know an outrageous goal like he literally scores every time he walks on the field for England and that's not easy to do a lot of pressure with that. Um, and the other person I want to pay tribute to is um, Owen Mobile. Um, mm. You know, the Sudanese yep. striker who played a great game against China. Um, but I was reflecting on that. I thought, you know, guess what? We we hear a lot of things, you know, negative about, um, um, you know, the Sudanese community, et cetera, et cetera. And I just thought, you know, thinking, I'm going to go start digging around, seeing just how many people from the Sudanese community are contributing to Australian sport at the highest level. You've got Thomas mm. Dung there, the defender, Deng Dung. I can't don't know how they pronounce it. Um, you know, you've also got the um, Alir Alir, who you mentioned just before. Not sure why the Swans let him leave. You've got Joseph Dung, the runner. You've got um, Peter Boll, amongst others. And I know there's others. And I just yeah. Um, who was the captain of the Oli Roos? That was um, Tom. That was young Deng, wasn't it? Yep, um, absolutely. Yep. Yep, and. You know, I, I, I do love this little phrase that I, I sort of use these days. I use it at school all the time. When things are really bad and people are saying that, you know, we've got, you know, there's issues here and we, you know, and things are not available. I say Australia is just a, a, an amazing land that seems to keep producing some type of systemic opportunity. And That's a, that's a good call. And it really does in sport. Like, you only got to look at the Socceroos. You go through the Socceroos names. And you look at how far and wide people come to contribute to the team. And, you know, to be fair, you have to be given the opportunity as well. And, you know, you've got the, the Wallabies, same great, you know, influx of diaspora of people from around the world coming here. And uh, But the South Sudanese people, uh, I mean, I've got, uh, you know, our parish priest as a Sudanese guy came from refugee camp. Um, and... You know, they're quite an incredible group because there really isn't that many people in Australia from that part of the world. But, gee, my goodness, they're punching above their weight in all sports in Australia because their body build's going to be pretty handy too when it comes to strength and, and maybe joining some of our rugby teams at some point as well. Absolutely, so spot on. I just wanted to pay tribute to the people from that country and their contribution um, to us and actually making us great on the world stage. And I want to put that a bit further out there and, 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 you know, with teams like obviously the Matildas and stuff as well, we can put the net out there. And uh, Emily Gilnick is now a villain. I might have touched on that last week, but I'm still smiling ear to ear. So 
Um, the opportunity. Beautiful for- photo of uh, Emily Gilnick and um, uh, Mila Yednak on the training paddock having yes. a good old chat as well. Just fantastic that we got two Aussies having the opportunity to connect. You know, they've got the opportunity to kind of build a real legacy together. Isn't it unreal? We were talking about this. I know I'm going a bit sideways here. And, and John, thank you so much for what you said, mate, because that, yeah, in, in, in times of negative press and so forth, you're spot on. But isn't it amazing? Only a few years ago, women could barely make a living at the top level of football in most countries in the world. Now we've got Australians who go play in the English Premier League. They play in the uh, uh, Women's National League in, in America. Um, they can play here. It's just, they've got so many opportunities now. If you're a young girl, you've got to be thinking you've got a chance to play overseas and have a really amazing experience. Mm. Of that, there is no doubt. It's a good time to be a, a female athlete. And um, I, I believe that times will get better. And I do believe that Australian women athletes are pound for pound amongst the best athletes in the world. Well, you've touched on it before, mate. So many of them are, are multi-sport uh, mm. players as well. So they've got, whilst they want some of the uh, more, you know, professional benefits that will come to them, one of the benefits they've got at the moment is the ability to play different sports. Um, and that won't last forever. Uh, no, it won't. We've got a brilliant round of EPL. I don't know if we do have a brilliant round. I'm just saying it because the EPL is back this weekend. I've picked out a couple of games that I'm interested in, and then I'd love to hear some that you are. Um, I picked out Arsenal and Norwich for the simple reason is imagine if Arsenal don't pick up – if they pick up one point, but gosh forbid they actually lose to Norwich. What will happen? Arsenal TV will implode. Not just Arsenal TV, but Arsenal as a whole uh, have unfortunately become this shadow of their former self and have become somewhat of a a laughing stock. Um, and, and it's it's really unfortunate because you want your strongest teams to be you know competing at the top level on a consistent basis because that's what makes the competition interesting and. Um, when, when teams like Arsenal who have spent big money of late and are not reaping the reward. But this is the next thing that the talk was that Mikel Arteta had pretty much three games left to try and prove himself. Otherwise, he's going to get the chop. And the interesting thing is that Antonio Conte has been offered to Arsenal as a potential replacement. <laughs> now, The question is, do you keep a guy who has a long-term strategy and actually has the opportunity to properly build and grow a platform organically, or do you rip that apart, you go out and you sign a guy like an Antonio Conte who will get a team playing an aggressive and a well-structured, organized style of football for the sole reason that it's going to be effective in the short term. And then you keep riding your luck from time to time. Well, if they... I've got another question for both of you. Arsenal's fourth game, right? This is their fourth game of the season. Will they score their first goal? I don't actually know if I agree with Pete on the point he was making about, you know, that it's necessarily a bad thing for the comp. Arsenal have had an extended run of incredible 
um, you know, results, one of the greatest clubs in the history of English football. But, you know, there's other clubs who have been humbled. And, and I mean, not necessarily the size of Arsenal, but, I mean, Manchester United's gone out the back door before. And, you know, it can happen. I mean, I think the humbling process has certainly happened to Aston Villa. It's happened to Newcastle. happened yep. to Sunnels. It's happened to Leeds. Um, it's happened to a bunch of other, you know, to, to those clubs. The only one I can really think of that ever seems to have gotten away with it all the time was Everton. But, you know, it might just be their time to pay. You know, sometimes you've got to pay the ferryman. And if if you're not good, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and tell you, oh, my God, I hope we go down instead of Arsenal. Yeah. I and mean, once you get to that dogfight, it's pretty hard to get out. And I think it's just... going to be pretty amazing for the teams at the bottom of the ladder to be duking it out with Arsenal to see if if they can keep them there. I hope Norris win. I, I just still can't believe they haven't scored a goal this season. <laughs> like, for, you know, in previous years, it's been their defence that's let them down. They've still been able to score. But to not score a goal in, you know, 270-odd minutes of football for a club the size of Arsenal has been unbelievable. I'm pretty, cl- I'm pretty close to some pretty big-time fans of Arsenal. And, and you know, it, it wouldn't be too far from the truth to say that their feelings for their owner aren't too far away from the ones that we have for ours. I would agree with that. Uh, Leicester Man City, I'm, I'm finding a really interesting one. We're only early into the season. Um, but, you know, the pressure could build on the team that's meant to run away with the league if they don't get a result out of this game. Any thoughts on that one, guys? Well, both teams have had uh, two wins across their opening three games so far. Mm-hmm. City, obviously, you have a astronomical plus nine goal difference, <laughs> whilst Leicester's got <laughs> minus one as it sits. Uh, Brendan Rodgers, he, he's always got a, a Leicester side who can cause problems against City. And, you know, Jamie Vardy is the kryptonite to Manchester City's defensive issues. And it, it's an interesting one that, as long as these two sides have kind of played against each other, Leicester's able to cause problems against City. And City's not been able to really contain the, all the kind of like uh, the jumble that is a Leicester City lineup. It's a really odd one, but that seems to be a bogey team for them. So, you know, this could be a result that, that sends Leicester above them and uh, closer to that, you know, top five type of a region on the table just in the short term, until City can kind of find their groove. I, I'm, I'm personally going to be tipping uh, Leicester in this performance here. I love it. Uh, one other game, guys, and I'm happy for you to bring up any other games. The other game that I find really interesting is uh, Monday morning, Leeds taking on Liverpool. Um, I don't think either team are going to sit back in that one. <laughs> no chance. Um, that is absolutely going to be one of these games that, uh, you're expecting quality and you're expecting a high tempo from both teams and you're expecting um, high quality performances. And the thing is, uh, Liverpool, they've kind of got set players who have a, a fair bit to kind of prove. However, um, they do have, I believe it's Alison Becker and um, one other who is set to miss that game. Uh, because they have been away in Brazil for international duty. So it seems likely that they'll be uh, without those two. Now, that does mean that um, Callum Callagher comes in as the replacement 
for uh, Alison Becker. Obviously, he had plenty of appearances over the last uh, 12 months or so. He's a decent second-choice keeper by all means. Um, and, and the positive is, from a Liverpool perspective, if Bobby Firmino doesn't play, because obviously playing for Brazil means that he'll have the day off, um, yeah. it means yeah. that Diego Jota gets more minutes on the park, which for me personally, I'm just excited about because I'm a huge Diego Jota fan. Do you think that the English customs people will do the exact same trick back on Brazil as what they pulled with uh, people being in England? Uh, the cops walking onto the field uh, pretty quickly. Oh, just dragging them off, yeah. But they might take Richarlison with them as well. He's a tool. And just get rid of them. You know? Well, at like, least if um, you take Richarlison, can you take some clippers to sort his hair out, please? <laughs> it would do that. Well, yeah. I, I should... I shouldn't talk about my team, but my team may have a couple of uh, Argentinian players who are involved in that fracas. Um, Martinez. No problem with the Argentinians, mate. Uh, hey, um, uh, can I can I highlight a game? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I'm pumped for the. Um, we played both these teams this year: Southampton, West Ham. It's, it starts at 12 a.m. Now, if you want to set your alarm here, so the referees have decided that this week they will allow Southampton to play until the. Um, 250th minute, if that's how long they need to secure a goal <laughs> to get a result. Um, so that's very exciting. And, and they'll be finding a penalty for them that's not there as well. And, um, yeah, so something to look forward to there. <laughs> go, go Southampton. You know. Oh, my God, I love it. What about yourself? How, how, how long do you have to – I mean, you would have thought we were playing against um, Man United in Fergie time in 1989. That referee would not blow that whistle. <laughs> Until true. he blew it out for a penalty. Oh well, look, it was only ninety sixth minute, and it was a penalty to Ward Prowse. You know, so you know, I don't know, I don't know. Yeah, mm. what, what can you do? And we've got Man United this week. Yes, interesting, interesting, very interesting game that one. I didn't want to bring it up and make it. Look well, I'm okay. I mean, you know what I said, and you know, obviously, you know, there's lots of people with lots of thoughts, but I said for a long time. Um, for a change, it's been a long first time, a long time. I've got no. I've, we can score goals. We can knock them in all over the place. And yeah, Carl Wilson is a beast, and and say Maximum is fantastic. Almiron is a quality forward. Uh, you know, we've got a manager who's supposed to be one of the great defenders of English football history, who can't organise the same team that Benitez made look like absolute, um, you know, absolute junkyard dogs, and you had to actually beat them up to score. Now you just have to like give them a tap on the shoulder, let you through. And I would think that this really could be a – it's got the potential to be another one of those 4-3 type games. Um, Pete, Tottenham can stay top of the ladder, uh, beating Crystal Palace in the early game Saturday night. I expect they will be. Yeah, I agree. And I agree that um, all eyes are really going to be on Patrick Vieira and the Crystal Palace sidelines as they all shrug in a corner and wonder – why did we select to come to Palace again? Um, <laughs> he's really struggling at the moment. He can't get this team to play any decent football. And he's, he's stuck with, uh, it looks like he's got Zaha on a leash and it's basically just yeah. told him stop being yourself, um, which is just frustrating. And Palace is this team that has so much potential that if you basically just gave them a framework and just said, look guys, we actually trust you. Just go play. Like, Here's what you should do at different times. But apart from that, go play. Like, you guys just play like you do in the street. That's it. Done. Go. Go have fun. Oh, I love it. it would probably be a much better team. It 
they're getting overcoached, it looks like. They're getting overworked. And they're being restricted, which is part of the reason why Palace look bang average. Um, Do you think it's good for the Arsenal fans to see that Vieira coaching another team rather than going, oh, my God, I wish Patrick was here coaching us? He'll probably still get a game from, couldn't he? Oh, mate, at the moment, that's on anyone. Um, could he score a goal? Yeah, sure, why not? Chuck him up top. He'd probably be better than Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Um, and Lacazette, as he sits on the bench for 90-odd minutes every week. Um, that's a very good call. So, God, I, I take yeah. some of those Arsenal players in the Villa squad, though, I tell you. I reckon they just need a change of scenery. I really no, you're do. fine, mate. Yeah, you, might got get up you got Danny Ings up front, you're sweet. Don't stress. <laughs> do, do, those Arsenal, do those Arsenal players have those get-out clauses for when they go to the second division? Um, oh, mate, they wish. I, I tell you what, I'm looking forward to with this Palace Spurs game. I don't know if you've seen. Um, it's going to be the first carbon neutral match in the history of English football. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So it's going to be vegan, mm. all vegan treats for in being sold in the stand, and yeah, the players yeah. are being, you know, brought in on a, I don't know, a, a hand drawn card or something. Maybe yeah, something like that. Unicorns. And, yep. Um, and it's just going to be just. A, a, it's going to be probably the greatest night of virtue signal in the history of sport. That's mm. all happening there at Tottenham Stadium or Crystal Palace, <laughs> where, wherever, wherever Palace's new ground is called. Well, they couldn't so. play at Tot- they couldn't play at Tottenham Ham because it's going to be a vegan affair. So there we go. That's it. Oh God, that was awful. Uh, guys, finally tomorrow, NFL season's back on. We'll finish off the podcast with some NFL. Cowboys taking on the Bucks. Bucks will beat the Cowboys tomorrow, and everyone will be. Asking for the coach's head straight away. I'm going to tip the Cowboys to win that. I'm going to tip the Cowboys to win the first game out. And wow, I think that I think that some coaches we've talked about this over and over in every sport. Some coaches get a free pass no matter what they do, and yep. some coaches just get bagged no matter what they do. And Mike McCarthy's a Super Bowl winning coach. Um, he's actually been the leader of a couple of the greatest offences in the history of the sport. He did not, you know, he, he brought Aaron Rodgers to it through the through the ranks um, and all kinds of things like that. And I just think, you know, they get the Cowboys right. They've got, they've got, you know, they're not going to run the ball. You can't run the ball against the Bucks. I think you'll see um, uh, Dak airing it out. And I'm looking forward to seeing the Cowboys get a win against all the odds. Mm, well, he's going to be airing it out with a dodgy elbow. I'd like to see that. I've picked out three other games just for some reasons. Seahawks playing the Colts. A lot of people are starting to write the Seahawks off and a lot of people are talking the Colts up. I still think they've got a really, really good quarterback at the Seahawks and a really good coach. So I think that's going to be a really good game. And I've said really five times. Oh Yeah, Seahawks will win that. I, I think I tipped them. Hey, I was listening to a couple of shows this week after we did our preview. Mm. And um, you know what? Uh, Johnny might have been too far away with some of his predictions for some of these divisions. And mm-hmm. definitely um, in the West and with the Colts, we've got to take the Seahawks to win that. I mean, Russell Wilson, he's, the dude's just an amazing player. And, yeah, they'll win. So, Pete, uh, Russell Wilson is a fantastic quarterback. Could have had a couple of Super Bowls. He's got one. Should have won his second. Pretty bad coaching call. Um, but he's no, only... no, 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 no. Hang on. You know, it, this is the thing. And one of the things happening in the NFL all the time is everyone wants to blame the coaches when something goes wrong. And want to praise the players when it goes right. Yeah, it's a fair call. That's a you fair know call. what? It was more of it was far more of one of the greatest coaching calls of all time. The fact that Bill Belichick had his 
had his corner ready for that exact play. They talked about it beforehand. And you know what? It was literally in his receiver's hands, and he took it away. Well, I think he just shoved the ball. It, it, me, you, you've got a running back. You've got a great running back. You've got a running game. I just think he shoved the ball down their throat straight over the line. I think we wouldn't disagree on that. You only get rejected once. You're going up against the best Super Bowl team in history, man. Yep. Uh, Steelers playing the Bills. Um, let's let's. It's only one round in, but it'd be so interesting to see how each team's kind of... I don't know. I think that's just a really good matchup. Oh, well, playing Pete's Bills. Pete, um, are you ready for a Super Bowl run? Mate, uh, based on the way that you guys talked up the Bills last season, this is... Uh, it's this year that is, is the year to kind of keep an eye on the Bills and potentially uh, 2022 is when there could be the glory time. So, you know, this mm. is uh, the time of keeping a, a quiet but a confident eye on uh, on what's to come with the Bills. Mate, well, I, have these, sorry. I have visions of Pete there taking selfies at Niagara Falls. You know, sort of in Buffalo, eating wings, just drinking beers and jumping through tables and all the rest of it. and Getting you know, in a barrel. Yep. It's going to be an amazing yeah. time because they are going to go very close. And you've got a really well-balanced team, good quarterback and a pretty weak division. And talking about that weak division, for me, I'm looking forward to seeing the Pats versus the Finns because the Pats have got rid of Cam Newton. The Finns have a good defense. So for me... We have a good record against the Pats. It should be uh, should be interesting. Um, yeah, look, I mean, I think I think anything can happen, but I really do think that one thing that does happen a lot is that the um, Patriots come out strong, and they come out strong. But historically, I think you guys have beaten we're, we're them a, more times very, than anybody else. We've got a very so, very good record against yeah. them. And that's when you've been garbage or not. So it's going to be a pretty interesting game, but I'm going to run with the um, – I'm looking forward to seeing their new quarterback, uh, yeah, Mac so, Jones, isn't it? Yeah, he's, he, he, he can throw the ball, and you and I love a guy with a big arm. So that'll mm. be interesting. So what other games – I know you're a Packer. So what other games are standing out for you this weekend? The game I'm most looking forward to, and this, uh, couple, yep. there's two games I'm looking forward to, yep. apart from my own one. I'm really looking forward to watching the Washington football team against the Chargers. Yeah, I thought you might say that. Yep. I believe that Washington is an actual very strong team to go deep into the playoffs based purely on their on their on their defense. And I, I do love the fact that they're building their team around, you know, one of the least one of the, one of the most underrated quarterbacks of all time. Um mm. in the you know, the flying beard. Um and Chargers have obviously got a great young quarterback there that's gonna do some damage. The other game I look forward to, I'll go the Chiefs and the Brownies. I just well, mate, can't we'll wait go, to see the Browns. We'll go back one step because I, I can't believe I missed that game. We've got offensive rookie of the year up against our defensive rookie of the year uh, in the Chargers Washington game as well. So there you go. Pretty exciting stuff. Um, and the game you've just brought out. Oh, my God. What an absolute ripper. I think not the winner of this game, but I think either of those teams could definitely make a big Super Bowl run. And I know that's easy to say about the Chiefs, but the Browns, I think, have got a really good team as well. The AFC is very exciting this year. It's, you know, I feel, I've said to you, I felt very good about um, the Packers making it quite deep this year and maybe going and winning the whole lot because I just don't see the same depth in the NFC as we normally see. Yeah. Um, I do see the AFC for the first time and as ever I can remember, 
isn't just dominated by two or three great teams. It's very balanced with a lot of very good teams. Yep. Um, there's one potentially great team there in the Chiefs, but, you know, I don't know. I just got a feeling that the Bills, the, one of the Bills of the Browns is due to make it those two franchises with great supporter bases and have done absolutely squat for, you know, 25 to 30 years. And imagine how beautiful it would be to see the Browns going up against the Packers in the Super Bowl. That would be amazing. I'd be able to lay out two, two one jersey for each team and um, I wouldn't put the Browns one out, actually. But, you know, it'd be good. Oh, I love it. Guys, it's been a very uh, kind of eclectic uh, podcast tonight. Um, Pete's off to do another show, bigger, better and brighter show than ours. But nevertheless, hmm. we appreciate his time. Um, boys, final thoughts on the upcoming weekend of sport? Personally, can't wait. I'm looking forward to, you know, any chance to be able to um, watch some sport and get out of the, the mindset of, uh, you know, sitting at home makes it slightly better. And, you know, one of my favourite things is obviously to be able to put on a football game and to be able to hear a, a stadium roar and to be able to hear crowd noises. That yep. is incredibly enjoyable for me. So, um, you know, I'm absolutely loving that. And, um, we also just got news that um, from the Paralympics, the fact that we just managed to claim, uh, what was it, 90, just under 95,000 uh, virtual seats sold yes. uh, for yes. the Australian Paralympics, and that raised $2.4 million uh, for the Paralympics. So it means that uh, that money will get reinvested in terms of uh, equipment funds, in terms of innovation design projects, in terms of education programs and talent ID for the future, so and, and from the maybe for that, and from to maybe not have to pay their own way um, to get to a Paralympics as well. I just want to also mirror what you've said there with the the fact that the uh, Paralympians are going to be paid the same as our Olympians for their medals as well. I believe. Yeah, you are correct. Uh, so that is hugely positive. That's twenty thousand dollars for a gold medal, which uh, you know for. Plenty of Paralympians who are desperate for funding to be able to be able to upgrade their equipment on a regular basis because obviously you outgrow your equipment pretty dang quickly. Um, yep. Yep. So uh, you definitely need to make sure that it's maintained and that it is well loved and looked after as well. So uh, that is definitely a tough one. But congratulations to uh, all of the Aussies who are able to do that. And John, you've got your rugby tournament coming up. Anything else exciting? Well, yeah, a couple of things. Like, so my, you know, my sporting weekend, I haven't had as big a one of this for, for a long time. So obviously it'll, the tone will be set by what happens at Old Trafford. And that's just makes me sort of feel a bit sick in the stomach, really thinking about it. And then, but you have to go through those things, don't you? you and do. then you've got the Packers uh, playing the Saints in, in Jacksonville, I'm pretty certain it is, um, because of the hurricane. Yep. You've got the AFL semi-finals. I'm looking forward to that. Um, we've got the girls' rugby on Friday. But uh, I've just got word that um, I have a ticket to the rugby championship double header, and I'll be watching South Africa versus the Wallabies and the All Blacks against Argentina on Sunday evening at uh, Rabina. And I have to say that as a lifelong rugby fan, I've never seen the All Blacks in the flesh. I've, wow. never seen the, I've never seen the Harker. I've never been able to get a ticket, mate. It's like it's, it's not that yeah. easy to get into those games. And they don't come well, to Lane Park very often. Mm. So, um, 
You are going I'm to see really one of the great. To you're going to see one of the pre, uh, great, great, great pre-game rituals, mate. Which, ah, uh, if you don't get goosebumps, I'd be really disappointed. Because, well, I've watched um, it a million times. I'll tell you, one of the things I yep. do love about rugby, and I, I love the anthems at rugby. They're slightly different to football. I find yeah, that are. the energy in the in the stadiums um, is just, it seems to be something a little bit different because I, I think the you, the rugby players are really using it to um, fire themselves up for the initial contest. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah, whereas I, I the soccer disagree. players are trying to stay a little bit more calm. South American players lose it a bit, and the Italians, but and the fans do. And I love the anthems of football, and there's so so many of them. But the other thing is, with all the anthems at um, at the rugby, is like there's only like you know twelve to choose from, and it's just fantastic. I love. It. I can't wait. Even that little Argentinian anthem, I love that. It reminds me of both sports. Uh, absolutely love it, guys. Uh, it has been just quickly checking. I don't know why my Facebook's asking if I want to speak in English right now. Just having a quick look at our group. Just be a moment. Sorry, guys. I know we're really busy here. No, no comments. We put it up a bit too late. Wanted some comments on uh, what people thought about the finals and everything coming up. Um, I'm sure they'll answer afterwards. On our Love Sport podcast um, page and also our group, we put up who has the best tash in world sport. So, guys, if you want to continue that conversation, I put up a front runner of Murphy's. Um, happy for anyone to put up any of their world tashes. Guys, been another great one. Pete, enjoy your radio show. Enjoy your uh, world of sport. Um, good luck with the rugby, both coaching and watching it this weekend. And guess what? I don't have to stress about anything this weekend because Villa will do what Villa do. And uh, I don't have to uh, worry too much. Viva La Sport. Uh, thanks for listening to another episode of Love Sport Podcast. We hope you uh, enjoyed our semi-understanding of the world of sport. This was Paul, John and Pete. You get me at Paul underscore football on Twitter. You get John at Lambic Peach and Pete at Pete Novikowski. You can also get the Love Sport Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. You can join our group on Facebook as well if you want to join in the discussions. Anything you want to bring up, let us know. This is, was and always will be the Love Sport Podcast.